brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that sends 5% of your monthly plan price to your favorite charity. No contracts, nationwide coverage, risk-free guarantee. Learn more at CharityMobile.com. We are on the eve of Trinity Sunday, and I thought it would be appropriate to return to our brief readings of St. Vincent of Larens, whom Francis has co-opted for use as sort of a endorsement of his program of rebuilding the faith from the ground up in his own image of building a new religion. It's a really dishonest thing to do because St. Vincent of Larens warns in this entire work that we've been going through for the last six months, seven months or longer, that embracing novelty is a sign of having departed the Catholic faith. That novelty has no place in the church. And in the last chapter, we last two chapters of the last couple of months, we've seen St. Vincent discuss the examples of Tertullian and Origen and a couple of others who are not quite considered fathers of the church because while they have a great deal of writing, they have contributed to the apostolic faith, they themselves eventually departed the faith for errors and, as far as we know, died in a state of embracing those errors. Not a good place to be. Using those examples and reminding us in the previous chapters that exiting the church is a surefire path to self-destruction and perdition, he now turns his attention to St. Paul, to what St. Paul tells us about the necessity of the faith and of the integrity of the faith and of keeping the faith as it has been passed down. And it is now to St. Paul through St. Vincent of Larens that we turn. Such being the case, when I think over these things and revolve them in my mind again and again, I cannot sufficiently wonder at the madness of certain men, at the impiety of their blinded understanding, at their lust of error, such that not content with the rule of faith delivered once and for all and received from the times of old, they're every day seeking one novelty after another and are constantly longing to add, change, take away in religion as though the doctrine let what has once for all been revealed suffice were not a heavenly but an earthly rule a rule which could not be complied with except by continual emendation nay rather by the continual fault finding whereas the divine oracles cry aloud remove not the landmarks which thy fathers have set and go not to the law with a judge and whoso breaketh through a fence a serpent shall bite him and that saying of the apostle wherewith, as with a spiritual sword, all the wicked novelties of all heresies often have been and will always have to be uh, ended. O Timothy, keep the deposit, shunning the profane novelties of words and oppositions of the knowledge falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. After words such as these, is there any one of the so hardened affront such anvil-like impudence, such adamantine pernicacity, as not to succumb to so huge a mass, not to be crushed by so ponderous a weight, not to be shaken in pieces by such heavy blows, not to be annihilated by such dreadful thunderbolts of divine eloquence. Shun profane novelties, he says. He does not say shun antiquity, but he plainly points to what ought to follow from the rule of contrary. For if novelty is to be shunned, antiquity is to be held fast. If novelty is profane, antiquity is sacred. He adds, 
and oppositions of science falsely so called. Falsely called, indeed, as applied to the doctrines of heretics, where ignorance is disguised under the name of knowledge, fog of sunshine, darkness of light, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Professing what? What but some, I know not what, new and unheard of doctrine? For thou mayest hear some of these same doctors say, Come, O silly wretches, who go by the name of Catholics, come and learn the true faith, which no one but ourselves is acquainted with, which same has lain hid these many ages, but has recently been revealed and made manifest. But learn it by stealth and in secret, for you will be delighted with it. Moreover, when you have learnt it, teach it furtively, that the world may not hear it, that the church may not know. For there are but few to whom is granted to receive the secret of so great a mystery. Are not these the words of that harlot who in the Proverbs of Solomon calls to the passengers who go right on their ways? Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And as for them that are void of understanding, she exhorts them, saying, Drink stolen waters, for they are sweet, and eat bread in secret, for it is pleasant. What next? But he knoweth not what the sons of earth perish in her house. Who are those sons of earth? Let the apostle explain. Those who have erred concerning the faith. And there you have it. It's very simple. St. Paul warns that those who seek novelty, who seek to change the deposit of faith, will perish. That those who seek after new things instead of protecting and preserving the deposit of the faith are to be shunned. He uses stronger language than I do in my daily reporting on these things for the most part. We are often told that we must be charitable, we must be speak with reverence to these people who appear to hold these high offices in the church while teaching error, consistently teaching error, and trying to destroy the faith, to replace it with some man-made fabrication that teaches the values of the world instead of the Catholic faith. St. Paul says to shun them. <laughs> he says to shun them. He warns that they lead others down a path of destruction. It's, we live in an odd time, I think, in the history of the church where, one, we do believe that you know obedience is due to legitimate higher authority, but there is a question of what are the, what is the breakpoint of legitimacy when you teach something that is not the faith, and it's not a simple error that you then correct, but instead when you try to supplant the faith with some other false doctrine, some doctrine of men, some traditions of men, as St. Paul warns us elsewhere, you begin to run into problems, and that is when your legitimacy is gone. Hence is the example of Origen, who was one of the great teachers of the faith, until he wasn't anymore. Hence is the, play, the example of Tertullian, although not to the same degree. And this is something to, to be reminded of, that the faith is the most important thing on earth. For without the faith, we have nothing. The faith is what Christ gave us. Without the faith, there is no salvation. So why then do we owe those who would destroy the faith to replace it with a false gospel that takes much of the faith and wears it as a skin suit of sorts, the trappings of the faith and twists them to some other ends. Why would we give those people who do that respect because they hold an office? I don't understand the playing nice that so many want to do. 
oh, this person has this office. They deserve extra respect. Oh, really? You think so? Remember that when, if they stay on the path that they are on, not only will they themselves find them be in perdition, but they will take others with them. Their own eternity is in the hands of our Lord. It is his judgment call to make. But we do have a duty to stop others from being dragged along with them. That's a basic act of charity and justice. Curious what you think of this, so let me know in the comments, please. There's a little bit more to this work. It'll probably be done over the course of the summer. So uh, so tune in every month for the Commentatory by St. Vincent of Larens. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It certainly does help, as does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. So always pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.